This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and I'm feeling funky. I'm feeling mighty funky. As I'm sitting in a pub in West London, I'm in the old pack horse, Chiswick High Road, and this pub is funky. Again, we haven't been there for a few months. The last time we came here, Slattery was across the road, protesting his innocence outside, placards and all sorts of stuff. And... Uh, did a great job because he was innocent in the end and we came back here to the old pack horse to celebrate the fact that we had placards with the slattery and now as we're sitting here we're thinking actually hold on a minute this pub's quite cool man you know music's good it's got some good food some good Thai food and we're just sitting here mellow because we know we haven't got a game on Saturday so we're not wound up at all we ain't got nothing to worry about Brentford ain't gonna lose on Saturday we'll be all right I'm Billy Grant, and like I said, I'm sitting in the old pack horse. Come down here if you ever need to, because it's a wicked, wicked pub. And I'm with characters who are bobbing their heads. We, There's some proper bobbing going on. We got it. You know why? I don't know why. Because we got the funk. <laughs> Tell you something. You got the funk? I got the funk, mate. <laughs> hey, the liberal, have you got the funk, mate? I've got a funk soul, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you something. This is contagious. The Allard, have you got the funk? I try and pretend I've got the funk, but I always feel like I probably look like I'm bobbing up and down on me. <laughs> There's some Apple business, some proper Apple business going on here, mate, as the heads are going up and down. Listen, Besotted Pride of West London podcast, you can see we're still smiling because we're on a slight unbeaten run at home. We haven't been beaten at home for about 145 years, so uh, that'll probably come to an end in a couple of weeks. But anyway, we'll enjoy it as we can do. I'm Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I've got on to the left of me, Mr... David Lane, how are you, Mr. Funky Lane? I'm all right, you sexy mother funkster. <laughs> yeah, hey. I'm, good. I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a football weekend, um, football-free weekend. I'm going to uh, not take in any football. I might not even watch the England game. So, uh, loyal, don't think so. I'm, yeah, 
I'm, I'm quite happy. I like these um, international breaks, if I'm honest with you. Um, if you're home and away, um, you need to you need to recharge the batteries, and I think um, and and get the brownie points uh, oh, built yeah. up as well. Yeah, get some get some funk in you. That's right. Get your funk in your bones. So listen, just keep that head nodding. Keep that head nodding. The liberal Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Dave, that will be two people that won't be watching the game of the weekend. That'll be you and Sam Allardyce, presumably. I bet he's not. Wa- I bet he won't watch it. I'm good. I, I was in Birmingham yesterday, just <laughs> scouting out the scene. You know, finding out the vibe. You know, actually, to be fair, not scouting out the scene. Seeing what the opposition were doing. You were at the Tory Party conference, if I'm right, weren't you? I was, you know, but you know, I've got I've got friends in the Tory Party. I'm not afraid to admit it. But no, no, no. I was actually I was actually looking down at Villa Park. You know, I was filling in the application form because it seems that if you want to apply for the Villa job, you know, anybody can apply. So I I went along and knocked on the door and said, "Can I have an application form, please?" And what did they say to you? They, they suggested that I might need a bit more experience and tactical knowledge, but, you know, I said I'd bring my advisor, Matt Allard, along with me, but that didn't seem to count either. Never mind. Listen, the Allard, forget about what he says. We know that you have the knowledge here and uh, the, the knowledge with the, the, the nod of the head right. with the funk. I, I was going to say I would have come, Nick, but I was on Virgin Trains. I got a little bit delayed. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. On Virgin Trains, which side of the beef were you on? You were on the Virgin side of the beef or the... Or the Aston Villa side of the beef? Um, I thought the whole thing was mildly comical. That, um, what, I, and what, I, I could only assume... What, what thing is this now? I mean, so, you might have to explain to people exactly what you're talking about, but yeah. people may not know. I, I probably need to um, try and remember what order it was, but basically Aston Villa and Virgin Trains had a bit of a going at each other on Twitter. Um, I, think, um, I think it started off with Virgin Trains um, doing a tweet about the, um, an empty train carriage, and this was the applicants for the new Aston Villa job. Um, to which um, Aston Villa replied something about um, will your trains um, if, if they do if they come on Virgin trains they'll be late for the interview and then I think Virgin hit back with something along the lines of um, we've had more trains in on time this week than you've won games in a year which actually I thought was a slightly odd tweet as I thought that's not many games that's not many sorry that's not many um, trains in on time this week really if, they, if, it's, if it's more than Villa have won games but yeah so so I was, I was, yeah, referring to that. So, inter corporation trolling is is going on here. Yeah, I, I, my assumption was was that whoever runs the Virgin Trains um, Twitter account was probably a Birmingham City supporter. That's the conclusion I came. Well, to. well, I thought that as well, but then some people are suggesting that it might have been actually our marketing department because remember we had the uh, we had a bit of a twit battle going on between us and Fulham a couple of seasons ago, didn't we? Well, yeah. So, so, so maybe I suppose that is a that is a you know that that could be considered. Um, it was, um, yeah, I, 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 it's a funny old place, Twitter, to, to sort of have these um, interesting conversations. Between. Which we've had a few of them over the last yeah, couple yeah. of weeks as well, like, you know. Sometimes you just can't be helped drawn into them because you get really bored and you see somebody say something quite ridiculous and you just sort of thought, hold on a minute, this might create a bit of a laugh for half an hour or so. Yeah, and to be honest, we've just spent five minutes talking about it on the podcast, so it probably worked <laughs> for, for, at least for Virgin, if not for Villa. Right, that's right. And I myself, but I know Laney's talking about not watching any football on Saturday, and I'm in a bit of a dilemma. I've got a ticket for the England game. I'm not sure whether or not to go to England. I'm not sure whether or not to go to the Hamlet, Dulwich Hamlet. Prize. You're not going to support our brave lads against Malta as they battle out a hard-fought one-nil victory against Malta. You know, England will undoubtedly win against Malta, but I'm just saying that I'm not sure whether or not I might have a chilled-out weekend like the lady man here. 
or whether or not might not go down to Dulwich Hamlet, which is having a bit of a kind of a battle at the moment now, because apparently it's the TUC day, um, and anyone who's got a, uh, a member of the union can get in for, f- for half price down there. So there's going to be all sorts of banners and placards and all sorts of stuff, and there's inter-battles going on between all the fans beside there, because they're not very happy about a few things down there, so I thought it might be quite interesting to take a little pop down there, seeing as I'm... I, I like them, but I, I don't support them. I'm not, it's not like the bees, so I, I could, I could, I could, <laughs> so I could just take an outside view, sip a few beers on the outside, and just take a little vibe. Anyway, so anyway, we move on. Today we're going to try and see if we can actually get through and talk about a whole load of stuff that we haven't talked about the last couple of days. So uh, we're going to talk about the Wigan game, which we had at the weekend as well. We're going to discuss about um, what else we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about you know a few things that are happening in and around at Brentford. We're going to talk about managers. We've talked about this quite a lot, but this is obviously quite important because there's a few managers that come in and out in the Football League now. And we'll be chatting about them as well. And we've been talking about the idea of chatting about um, songs and songs that we used to sing, songs that we liked, songs that we hated. We're going to be talking about that as well. And also, we're going to be talking about crowds because it's been announced, you know, what the crowds have been for the past. Uh, the away yeah, the away fans. The fan, and, and how many fans have been at away games for the past, in the, in, the, in the championship, for the past sort of 10 games or so. So, we'll be talking about that and we'll see what else we could talk about, what we can squeeze in. But now, we're going to go back to last weekend. We're going to talk back to the Wigan game. When we played Wigan, Wigan came down to Griffin Park. Wigan came down with a slightly iffy record. We've got a brilliant home record. Technically, on paper, Brentford should have done Wigan, but it doesn't quite work out. Whatever's on paper doesn't necessarily work out. So, uh, Nidal, a bit disappointed the Bees fans, but at the end of the day, we're still unbeaten. We're going to go back to listen to the fans in the pub, the Brentford fans and the Wigan fans, to hear what they had to say after the game. They obviously came for a draw. They were quite... They worked hard, the defence worked hard, closed us down. I was glad he kept the same team as Tuesday, but maybe could have brought Ryan Woods on. But I don't know, it just didn't really kick off, did it? The game just didn't ever seem to really start. It was like a training match a little bit. It was just a little bit of a letdown after Tuesday, but I'm not too downhearted. It's just one of those things, isn't it? They came for a draw, they worked really hard. They're in a good shift, I suppose, but... You know, just one of those things, that's football, isn't it? Yeah, a bit disappointed. I thought we should have, you know, maybe gone for the jugular a bit more, you know. Maybe started Woods or McLeod, but I think, like Brett has said, we, you know, we nine goals in two games. We're spoiled. We're spoiled, yeah. And I think, you know, a team like Wigan, you think we could just turn up and annihilate them. Do you know, I think this is the first time in... God, many years, many five years probably, at least, where we don't look like we're going to struggle now. We don't look like there's going to be a goal conceded. Normally, we always got a mistake here or there. Egan and Dean look like they've been playing together for God knows how long. And when we get someone like Rico Henry back, I think we're going to be, that back four is going to be amazing. Really is. I think we're going to push right on because. With them and a midfield and with Hogan up front, I think we're going to be a f- decent side. I think the majority of Wigan supporters would be happy with it, but we could have won the game. What was different today was the cohesion between the players. Players are now getting to know each other's game better. Central defence was far better. Buxton and Byrne had great games in the central defence. And the Brentford centre forward couldn't get anywhere. And also the legs didn't go in the last few minutes. In the last few minutes, two games have been lost in added time. It wasn't going to happen today. 
This is always such a pleasant place to visit, Brentford, a very homely club and a good place to come to and yeah. to get a result here, a draw is a good result for Wigan at this time of the, the season when the players are still still remain new to each other. You watch Wigan in the next few months. Next time we play you in January, we'll see a different Wigan team. Oh, oh, oh. Teams who have got a good, strong home record and are good at home, you expect them to win. They, you know, All of those teams have, over the years who've had good, strong home records, they have home draws every now and then when things don't quite click. And you know, If you don't lose... And I guess you, you can't be too disappointed. It would have been nice to have spread nine goals over three games rather than two. But that's not how football works, is it really? I think we're just clearly more solid with, with Egan there. I, I, I think we... And Colin and, and Bielen, I think... I think and, and, and Dean. I think it's a very, very solid defence. Um, I, I don't... I don't think we're um, I don't think we're resting on our laurels, and I, I don't think we're setting ourselves up just to not concede. I, I, um, I, I was just really surprised today that we didn't carve them open at least once. I was just I, I was, I was expect, like, well, they put five in the middle, and they, they really did stifle us. And I, and I, but I always thought there was a goal in us, and even going into the last ten minutes, I thought we are gonna we're gonna get one chance. Um, it's gonna fall to Hogan, and he's he's gonna slot it in. It's almost like a draw as a defeat to Brentford at the moment. Um, you know, we we haven't lost, and we oh a draw at home, you mean? A draw, a draw at home, then yeah. But we are we're clearly a very good team still. They set themselves up not to lose to us. It worked for them today. But, I, you know, as I said, as a case of repeating myself, I thought we would carve out one opportunity that would be the goal, the, you know, the, the game-changer. I thought Kaike, Kaike coming off the bench would have been him. I thought he was the one that was going to come on. But, again, he came on and did, did pretty much nothing. So, you know, I was a bit disappointed. The fans chatting there and that last point there as well. Talking about Kai Kai, I mean, obviously the Kai Kai has been brought in to do a particular job for Brentford and uh, not having a go because it's been very early days and he's still a young player and this is very new to him. But the, the vibe out there is going that he's still a little bit of work to do. And uh, we're also sort of chatting around here saying that we, you know, we think that we need a particular type of player, a particular type of players in the side to open teams up. And obviously, you know, Wigan came down here with a particular game plan. They just packed that midfield and they basically sat back and they made us come at them. And we saw this problem back in the day at Brentford as well. Even in the Mark Warburton days where everyone sort of goes, oh yeah, everything was brilliant. But people seem to forget there were days where we used to sit there, we used to struggle to play against teams who just packed us out and then we had to kind of break them down. So it's an age-old problem for Brentford. So the question, guys, I mean, I'm sort of sitting down there thinking, listen, it's not that bad because, look, we're in seventh position. We're unbeaten at home for quite a long time. We didn't manage to beat Wigan, who were very happy with that result. They beat Wolves the game beforehand, who we couldn't beat. I mean, what was the issue in that game? Were there a couple of issues in that game where we might have actually, in retrospect, done a little bit better? Uh, firstly, I would say that it's not a Brentford problem. It's the parking the bus against an attacking team's, you know, it's, it's, it's throughout throughout the football league, it's throughout the world. If someone wants to come and contain you, they can do that by not attacking and putting everyone behind the ball. Um, I think we, I, I, it was it was me that made the Kai Kai comment, and I, I stand by it. And it's not a criticism of him in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I also said that I expected him to be a starter week in week out, and he hasn't been that. 
So I, I, I think that the manager comes not, on, not necessarily criticism. I think you, you know, I, I can see why he, he chose the same starting eleven from the Reading game because you know the Reading game was so impressive. But I think you know this is the whole rotation conundrum. I, I, I don't think. I don't think it really does suit you to, to play the same starting eleven really if you need the energy levels up. We we could have really we could have really gone at Wigan from the start um, with with a with a with a a, 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 a tweaked team. He made five changes from the Wolves defeat for the for the Reading game, and I'm not saying I'm not, I wasn't I'm not I'm not sort of advocating five changes for for the for the Wigan match. I just think. I, I just think that you know there, there, should, there were obvious you know Woods I would have thought was the obvious one to come back. Macca had a had a had a, a couple of really impressive moments. So it's not it's not to say he he, he let us down, but you know I I, I I don't think the sticking with the same starting eleven actually worked for us. If I'm honest. Um, yeah, I think you're right, uh, Dave. But I think that I don't think any of us were that disappointed to see that starting eleven, or or it was that unexpected before. Before the game, I, I, it's a really. It was one of those games, like you say. I mean, Wigan really did put virtually everyone behind the ball, apart from the centre forward. I mean, um, Grig, um, and um, and yeah, we just didn't. You know, I we, we didn't break them down, but but you know, in <laughs> it was one of those games that we we had been picked off in before, and actually ended up losing them. I remember the Blackburn game last season, um, being a being being very typical of that. Um, I. I think if I was going to um, lay a criticism, it might be that it was a shame that um, we did have a few corners um, and stuff like that. We didn't really get a set piece to work, and, and maybe in these games, um, you know, that's where and we've, we we have had set pieces work for us this season. That's where if we can get a set piece to work earlier on in the game, or at least in the first half. We score first, and the whole complexion of the game changes. So I would kind of sort of say that was. Maybe you know where where we, we we lacked a little bit in getting a set piece to work. I know it's a different set piece taker. McCormick was McCormick, taking the corners, yeah. wasn't he? And, and 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 possibly that's all part of the, you know that that, that ultimately is, is 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 part of that issue is that um, you know with that side is he the obvious is he the person that is going to take the set pieces? Um, we do tend to sort of switch it around. It seems we haven't really sort of settled on somebody that's recognised in the. In, as a first team start and, and we'll and we'll take care of all the set pieces in terms of taking them so um but you know i i i didn't come out of there as down as a lot of people there was a lot of people around me were really down but i actually thought you know it's another clean sheet um you, we've consolidated our position in the league um and you know we're not gonna you, you like like you said on the podcast last week not not even after the game a long time before the game um, we ain't going to beat teams three, four nil every week. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right, Matt. We've got to put this in perspective. We're in seventh place. We had a we Wigan, who are in twenty first place, though, have a better goal difference than Reading, who are in eighth. QPR in thirteenth and Fulham in fourteenth. So it shows that actually they're quite a hard team to to to, to break down on. We're not going to score goals every week. We're not going to beat teams every week. Um, as I keep saying, you know, we are, I would think, where we should be in the Championship. Let's, let's not get too down on ourselves. 
I think it was just something a little bit inevitable about about not necessarily the draw, or just just the fact that it wasn't going to be another five nil four one. It was it was just I, I, you know we we Bill and I speak to a lot of fans before every match, and we, we you know we do our video bits and bobs, and, and we just have a chat, and we are always ask people what the score prediction is going to be, and you know very few people ever get it right if I'm being honest with you, but there was there including was, including us of course. Of course, you know it's a difficult one to share in this division. But I don't, I don't, no one was really, really confident. I don't know. I put a hand, we always put our hands out. Everyone round this table predicted a win. But I, 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 there was there was something about last Wednesday that we were always we were all of us a little bit wary just to take it for granted, and um, it just showed it. You know, we had two really, really positive home results. You just law of averages say that the next one probably isn't going to be a repeat of what's come before every team has nil nils you know during a season it happens Um, but I actually I've just been thinking about this more when I bought the Blackburn um, when I talked about the Blackburn game from last year I actually think we lost that game last year Uh, at times there were times you know where we were playing on top of our game but during those dark periods that's a game we'd have lost last year the only thing I would say is that were we adventurous enough, should we have been going for it more in the from the seventieth minute when it looked like it was, you know, I reckon it was, it looked nil nil from the seventieth minute on. Should we have been more adventurous? Should we have pushed on? Should we have sent on more attacking players? Well, I think I think the problem with that is is that is that Viba, who is one of our, you know, our next centre forward after Viba is Hoffman, so if. Is that the option then that you throw Hoffman on as a? It's a it's a difficult one because because I think if Viber hadn't got injured, we would have been seen to be more attacking. I think that kind of threw threw things a little bit. And against, on, against against Wigan, it would have been stupid to send off Ho- on Hoffman because yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. two big centre halves who were yeah. massive. They were absolute giants, and you know Hoffman would have looked small in comparison. So, so, so then, who didn't make it off the bench? Because for me, the problem wasn't really in the mid. You know, people were moaning about the midfield combination not creating enough but really there's three players playing behind um, pl- playing behind Hogan those three players they're the, they're, they're the players they're the creative players they're the attacking players um, and and who else was there to bring on but you're saying you're saying interesting I mean you said a bit earlier the interesting they didn't bring on Woods um, you were a bit confused but my, but my, and I was a bit confused but, but would that have made that much of a difference because ultimately Woods would, would have come on for Cormac and Yanaris I think McCormack and Yanaris did a, a, a good job against Wigan I think they were I mean they were probably playing a man down in midfield because Wigan had three in the middle and we, we had two so I think they did alright but, 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 but if you want creativity I think that comes from the three really behind Hogan but the flip side of that is what you're saying is then you're sort of saying you know oh, we should have gone for them and interestingly you say we should have gone for them uh, on 70 minutes, I think it was they brought on Wildshut. Wildshut, which is their left winger, which is he actually normally starts for them. He's a bit, he's a bit of a cold wild man. He's running at us at times. He caused us a few problems, you know, um, you know, a little bit all over the place, but a little bit of speed. You know, they brought on their attacking players. So what they did is that they basically held off for 70 minutes. They probably thought if we can keep them to a draw, then what we'll do is they'll go for it. So they actually, that Wigan actually went for it in the last 20 minutes. So who could we have brought on apart from Hoffman at that point that was an attacking player? So you can say Woods in the middle, but we brought on, we brought on Josh. So it was, it was one or the other. 
Josh you know, Josh McCracken, yeah, sorry. We brought on Kai Kai. Yeah, we brought him on, so I'm saying, what else could we have done? Yeah, but, but Woods has that spark. There, you know, Woods only needs to make one ball, through ball onto Hogan, and, and there you are. And, and, boom, and, and, boom. and so does Josh. It's so does Josh. And Josh. And Josh has made two this season. Um, you say, so, so my point is, is that how much more attacking could we have been? Could, are you saying we played Josh and we could have brought Josh and Woods on to be more attacking? Josh has proven to be the, the, the supplier of the clear-cut chances in the last, in the last two, two Yeah, yeah. You know, Woods, Woods is, is my starter all, all day, every week, you know, but um, McEachran has actually shown that he's able to thread, thread the eye, you know, thread a ball through the eye of a needle and, and give, give Hogan that opportunity. What really surprised me, and, and, I, and I was thinking this, with 20 minutes to go, there is going to be one more chance. We are going to create something. Hogan will be set up. He's that clinical player, and he, he didn't look. He didn't look like he was going to score. We're, we're, we're dancing. We're dancing on the head of a pin here, but but because I think it must be the funk. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> funking on the head of a pin. But 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 um, there is a thing about Woods is that he does have that je ne sais quoi that that one ball. That you know, he is the most creative player we've got. I would suggest, and you know, not to have brought him on to push him on. Yeah, I. But but I still feel the creativity should come from your, you know, at that point, Kai Kai Sawyer's and and Clark and and and, and Bieber when he was playing. They're you know they're the that's what they're there for. Um, and I and I would make an argument that's where we lacked it. And, in, and again, you're coming back to Clark because we talked about obviously Clark had a very very good game against Reading, but again, young player who's still learning. We talked about the fact that his first game was in the in the Uwe Rosler days when we played um, Derby when we lost five nil to them, and that was his early days. And he obviously had no idea what was going on except for he just runs at the ball. So he's developing a lot since then. Great game against Derby, but today I'll say today against Wigan. Probably slightly disappointing, you would have expected. Not saying we expected not, but that that is where we are still, kind of with this side where the players ain't necessarily going to give you the same game in and game out, are they? And and that's not that unusual with players that haven't played week in week out yet in their career. Is it? It takes a time to get that consistency. You know, um, I, I think that you know there's a good argument that says that most players can do most things, but it's the ones that do it consistently that are playing at the top. Level and you know Josh isn't Josh Clark, isn't he's not there yet. But but you know he he has he's he was excellent against Reading. Would you have dropped him? Probably not. Especially creative players as well. It's, I think I think most creative players it's very difficult for them to do it Tuesday Saturday. I, you know we're going to come onto this later on about reducing fixtures and reducing midweek games. Personally, I'd I'd, I'd really miss games under the floodlights. Um, but you know is is one game enough? really for you know if you're expecting players to be at their very top level maybe we're asking too many maybe it's asking too many maybe it's asking too many free kicks that we may or may not have taken them because interestingly we had a bit of a joke a few weeks about about the Brentford's wanky free kicks that we took because uh, we weren't thinking that slightly ungentlemanly conduct. Brentford had all this last season, the Christmas tree formation and all sorts of stuff which we were ridiculed for. We had a, a coach, we had a free kick coach last season who decided that uh, you know he left and he went back to, to lands afar, as it was. And then, you know, Holly Dean said in an interview recently, we got another free kick coach. Um, he said it in an interview on Bees Player or wherever it may be. 
actually we've got another free kick coach so we've actually got another free kick coach as you've noticed our free kicks and our set pieces have been slightly different as well so we've been doing these wanky free kicks which we're going oh that's a bit out of order oh <laughs> you know that's a bit out of order but you know but we've been doing it and we didn't think there's anything wrong with it so that's fine so we'll be going on and doing it but on saturday against reading the referee turned up we tried to do the wanky free kick and the referee went oh oh no we're not having any of that it was only, it was only semi-wanky we, we, we were kind of in no man's land between... We weren't right in his face. It wasn't like Exeter wanky, which was proper wanky. This was mi- mildly so, so, wanky. So, so, so basically, at Exeter, we were right in front of the goalkeeper's face. Oh, yeah, basically licking his face. <laughs> you know, it, there, was, there was three players licking the Exeter goalkeeper's face, which I thought was a bit out of order. And then uh, on Saturday against Wigan, they were just standing in between the, the wall and the goalkeeper doing you know crossing their legs with their hands and then the goal and, and then the and the referee i've just got we're just telling people people that weren't there because this obviously wouldn't be shown up on the channel five uh, highlights because they don't show anything of brentford uh well they probably show a little bit more when, when it's a nil all game actually which is brilliant thanks very much um but anyway so it was um so so basically you got the wanky free kick that we took but the referee just turned around and said i'm not having any of that so apparently they, they banned us. They actually physically banned us from doing the wanky free kick. Now the question we have to ask here is, you know, you may like it, you may hate it, but surely it's almost like in a court of law. If you if, if it's not illegal, then you should be able to do it. Now you tell me if it's illegal or not. Now I've been doing a little bit of research as I've done. In wanking. Anyway, I'll move on from this one. We're doing a bit of research. Now, apparently, the situation is the reason why we got away with it before is because what we did is that we stood in front of the goalkeeper um, and then when the free kick was going to be taken, we ran away. So we were running away from the field of play and we ran out of it. So basically... Um, we weren't offside because you can't be offside for a free kick or I can't remember like that but you weren't going to be so you took the ball so you started to run away so that meant that you weren't impending with the play and also you weren't obstructing the goalkeeper so in effect the referee couldn't blow it now if we had obstructed the goalkeeper at the time I think they could have blown up for an offside situation because you were doing something wrong There's, there, it's all a little bit technical rule 11 I think it is of the football rule books but I think we had it down to a T where what we did is that we stood up there kind of put him off then before all the free kicks coming. We ran away, and then we weren't in the position to play, so we wouldn't have been offside. And principle is right now. I mean, I even asked the question. I said, "Look, what's, what's going on here? Is it, 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 because it's not right? Is it ungentlemanly conduct?" And it just seems that apparently the referees went to sort of the referees board or something like that, and they all sat around and they had a ruling and they said, "Tell you something, this is out of order. We need to kind of just rule it out." My argument is that you know. Maybe there should be some sort of a challenge because if it's not against the rules of play, surely, I mean, whether or not we do it or not, that's not the problem. But at the end of the day, is that you should be able to do whatever you should be able to do within the rules of play. Laney, you're not, you're not. Well, you're possibly technically. I mean, you know, I, I guess we're just getting, we're getting adventurous. That, that's, 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 that's all we're doing. You know, really, you know, the, 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 the traditional free kick setup is you've got someone or you've got one or two players around the ball and you've got a defensive wall, then you've got no man's land, then a goalkeeper. Now, if you're, now, if you're then encroaching in that space between the goalkeeper and, and the defensive wall, then technically you've got, there's no problem with it if you're just standing there. The minute you start 
like intimidating the referee, then I say there's a problem with that. That is ungentlemanly. There's been no, there's been no intimidation, though. No, no, oh, come on, there was. The, 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 no, there Only was. after he gave the, the rubbish decision. No, no, no. Not, not, I'm not talking about the Wigan game. I'm talking about Exeter. We, that was out of order. That was, that was out of order. It was it? It wasn't, it wasn't out of order at all. What this really, it really winds me up. You cannot have referees deciding to make up the rules as they go along. There are, it's not ungentlemanly. Hang on, hang on. All right. Okay, I, I'm loathe to support our free kick because I don't really like it. Um, I just, I think it's a bit pathetic. However, um, when it comes to ungentlemanly conduct, um, does, does no one watch corners? There's a bloke in front of the goalkeeper for most corners. Um, I've seen players run around circles around goalkeepers. I've seen them look in their faces. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think that this goes on virtually at every corner. It's just it's more obvious with this free quick kick. So although I don't like seeing it, I think I think if you're going to draw a line that that's ungentlemanly ungentlemanly contact, I think you have to then start looking at corners. I, I, stand, I, I stand corrected. If that that is actually made me partially change my mind from. A, Free kick, well, a corner, which is a set play, I take it. Then there is all kind. Although, although they are, although they're trying, they are trying to eradicate that shirt pulling and all sorts. So we, we, we are saying that a corner is there's, there's more ungentlemanly conduct that's involved in that than there is in a, a Brentford. Absolutely, there is, but it's not as noticeable. And, and, and or, or, no one gets up or, it's a, or, it's, or it's acceptable. Or it's acceptable. And, and, and Sorry, but there is a difference here. Is that actually in the rules of the game, it, it, it is illegal to shirt pull and tug yeah, and whatever goes about, goes on. Pulling, there is nothing illegal. There is nothing. The there is nothing illegal about what we do in our free kick routine. Yeah. And referees cannot. Act up as jumped up little. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that I don't actually like it myself. So, so I mean, I mean, the rule is like, okay, if the and this is the rule out of the rule, but if a player is standing in an offside position when the ball is played by a teammate, they may not block the goalkeeper's line of or any other opponent's line of sight to the ball, right? Um, a, a player in an offside position at the moment the ball is played or touched by a teammate is only penalised by becoming involved in active play by interfering with opponent by preventing an opponent from playing blah 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 so on and so forth so what I'm saying is that being in front of being in front of it technically but what they do is that by avoiding this rule then they, they run away they, they run away to make sure that they're not impeding the, the, the view of the goalkeeper. They haven't touched him. They haven't touched anyone. That, but, but now you're talking about the offside rule. You're not talking about ungentlemanly conduct. No, there, no, there's no. two different points. No, here. no, but I, I, never, I never brought... I mean, Laney's brought up ingenuity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brentford are being discriminated against for being innovative in the way that they look at free, taking free kicks. It's pure and utter discrimination, and the Referees Association should be hauled up because of it. Well, well, I think we're paying the price for what happened to Exeter because we, 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 it, that was taking it slightly to the extreme. You were there, I was there, Bill was there. It, it, it was odd. I mean, I filmed it, it looked odd, it was odd. Because that was the first time, that, because that was the first time we'd really Possibly. seen it as well. Possibly. And I think if we looked back at what happened next Exeter against what happened at Wigan, there wasn't that much difference. The referee on Saturday was making up his own rules and, you know... Yeah. You can't have carte blanche, you know. You either have the rules of the game or you don't. Was he? So I, okay, I need to rewind a bit. 
Was he doing it because it was ungentlemanly conduct, or was he doing it because he was saying it was offside? No, no we don't know. And what's happened from, 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 from what I can gather, actually, it is um, it's been very unclear. So what they've done is you're nah, not allowed to do that. But there's been no clarification given to the club or given to anyone. So everyone's a little bit in the dark. And the point is, if it's offside, you can do what you want until someone kicks it. And it's only at that point it becomes offside. Because so, 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 so you can't stop it before the ball's kicked. You can then decide to say, well, I'm giving offside. But if it was ungentlemanly conduct, then he should have booked all the players. Again, do we want to become a novelty act? You might as well have them doing star jumps or press-ups or take... You know, you know if, if it doesn't, until the ball's kicked, you can do anything you want. Yeah. You, know, you can do them piggybacks around okay, the... Yeah, we, could think... have, we could have scored from that goal. We could have scored from that free-kick routine and we now could be in full yeah, 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 OK, but, yeah, but I think what's more to the point is that, you know, whether or not you agree, and we're not sitting there because obviously we took the piss out of these wanky free-kicks, but I think it's a, it's a state of... principle. It's, it's, it's almost like um, if, the, the laws are in pl- if the laws are in place then everyone has to abide by the laws. And if we want, not we, but if the people who are running the team want to break the laws and, or, or deal or, or bend them and do whatever they want to, then that's fine. But it's really quite annoying if somebody actually basically turns around and says it. And what normally happens in normal legal cases, then somebody actually does, because it's never been done before, then you get a test case and it goes to the court and the high courts and everything like that. And they say, oh, this has never been tested before because at the end of the day, we believe we're right. And the other side says, we believe it right. It goes to a test case and then the, the judge... And, Judge. Oh, right. <laughs> I've got a better idea than this. How about we find a player from non-league who is really, really good at free kicks, who can who can smack them in from any distance. So we haven't got to do this, and then he can take every free kick, and they all fly in the top corner. Did we have a player like that? Will, will, uh, Williams. Well, maybe from not from non-league. I mean, he was from the lower leagues, and uh, it'd be a very good idea. That actually. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we just need someone who's brilliant at taking free kicks, and we haven't got to play games anymore. We can just wanky free kicks anymore. S- smack it in the back of the net, mate. Jimmy Nichol. Jimmy. Characters, man. Listen, this is it. I mean, we're in the pub, and there's some sort of disco going on. Liberal Nick's on the floor. He's throwing some shapes and all sorts oh, of stuff. Looks like his love's come down. <laughs> loves. loves. Love's coming at you, Nick, apparently. Full on us. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Full steam ahead, yeah? Anyway, uh, we, we try to get back on track now. Um, uh, Macy on the Max above the... Uh, anyway, we, we, we move on. Maceo Di Matteo. Probably not similar names at all, are they, actually? So we're going to talk about managers. Managers in the championship. Managers who... Are, they managed teams who came from the Premier League. Managers who've had large troughs of money to play around with. Maybe they didn't have so much so much so, because we're also talking about Mr Trollope down at Cardiff. But look at these teams. There's another two teams where they seem to have a little bit of mismanagement going down. As we know, Di Matteo, he's been struggling since he's come down to the, cha- uh, to the Championship. I mean, the man who won the Champions League cannot handle the Championship which is a bit of a shame, and it's left Aston Villa fans in an absolute tiz. Interesting, Aston Villa fans, and we're not going to paint everyone with the same brush, but beforehand, I mean, we've had quite a lot of experience with Newcastle fans the last time they came down. And remember, when Newcastle came down last time and played Brentford, they were an absolute nightmare. They thought, ah, we're the biggest team in the world, who the hell are you? And they were really arrogant, you know what I'm saying? And we thought, and Aston Villa fans, when they came down, they were like, oh, our team's really shit, we're kind of cool. But it's almost like the table of the turn because when the season started, the Villa fans 
oh my god they, they you know it's almost like you know who are Brentford and your small team and you're a pub team and all that nonsense that we heard about whereas the Newcastle fans so far I mean we're playing them in a week's time so we'll see seem to be sort of relatively level and able to deal with the league and they've realised they've come down a level so it's interesting Di Matteo now leaving Aston Villa after I think it's what you know 10 games or 11 games 163 games or something ridiculous in charge he's been in um spent £50 million in the summer, which is more than we've spent in the whole time that we've ever been in existence as well. Um, and also, like I said, Trollope, who's left Cardiff, who are also, they've got parachute payments. It's their last year of parachute payments as well. So they've had a lot of money to play around with. Now, you know, we're sitting around the table and we're thinking, listen, these guys, is it almost like, do you go up into those leagues and then all of a sudden it just kind of, you just lose any sight of... Of, of kind of how to do business about football. All you want to do is just buy the most expensive players, the players with the biggest hype on them. I mean, wh- how come these these teams are doing so badly? I've got I've got no idea. Uh, I firstly think it's slightly. Let's show this lot how we do business. Let's show everyone what a big club we are. Um, and they don't. They don't. Some of them. Um, cut their cloth accordingly or actually have got any appetite for change. I think with your point towards some fans and their arrogance, I think that Newcastle aren't in defensive mode. Their season's not going too badly. I know they started with a couple of defeats and you know it, but since then they've been building Aston Villa and it's been one or two of their fans. I know a lot of Aston Villa fans and they're actually quite you know they're quite quite philosophical and they're quite they're quite Dower Brummies, they, you know, they 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 don't they're not taking anything for granted. There's there's some fans that obviously think you know we've won FA Cups and European trophies and League Cups and you know we we we, we deserve and you know and there's a lot of, there's a lot of fans as well that take they they take their glory from from following a big club. You know, Aston Villa are a big club. It doesn't make their make them big people just because they follow them. So. Um, they're, in, they're, they're, they're fighting in their corner. Their season's gone quite crappily so far. Um, although I don't think they're a million miles away from it. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not here to defend to Matteo, but he was right. You know, they, they, They're not losing every week. They lost on Saturday and that, that cost him his job. But they were drawing a lot. And the players they've got there in this division, they're, they're probably going to start winning soon. Um, I think they'll do all right, and I think probably Villa have actually called that one wrong. But seeing some of the names that are being linked with a Villa job, they just they just revert into form, though. You know, it's it's, it's just because he's just because um, just with Wagner, Wagner's doing all right at Huddersfield. Let's go and let's go and tuck him up. But that's that's what you know, that's actually what annoys me because I think that what happens is they come down this league. They've got no idea. So what you do is you go and buy players for like 10, 12, 15 million pounds, which you don't really need to. If you're really clever, you can buy a player. We buy players for a million, so they can buy a player for 4 million and he'll be brilliant in this league. But they don't do that. They buy him for 10 and 15 million. Then what they do is that they've got no idea what manager to go and get. So they go and get a Champions League manager. When Huddersfield go and get Vargas, they say, all right, let's go and get this guy. I think he's really brilliant. And we'll go off and get whoever we may do and stuff like that. And they've got no clue because all they do is they splash the money out and they think, that's going to do the business then it goes horribly wrong then they go to Huddersfield and they say oh we'll take your manager now you've done all the research you've got him going and we'll have it and then when he turns around and says actually I'm quite happy at Huddersfield they're confused oh my god I can't believe Aston Villa have been turned down by Huddersfield hello you know welcome to the championship 
Villa spent £57.1 million in this transfer window, in the this summer's transfer window, which uh, money thrown up against a wall, absolutely w- w- waste of time. The real problem is that there are ma- that there are owners, sorry, and it applies to Cardiff as well as to Villa, who are expecting instant success. And perhaps, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, Chinese owners and Far Eastern owners, as you've got, are wanting instant success. And that's not how you achieve it. Um, and, you know, I said in a podcast not too long ago that you've got to be careful what you wish for, Brentford fans, because, you know, you're looking for additional investments. All the investment into British football at the moment is coming from the Far East. These, these people demand instant results. That's why we're lucky at Brentford. That's why we're lucky at Brentford is because we don't have an owner who's demanding instant results. Tony, Tony Z, Z at Villa wants to, his team immediately to go up to the Premiership. It ain't going to happen. I'm pretty certain that Villa will actually get relegated. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm saying, and I know you're going to say some of them out there, but I mean, I mean, I think that Brentford would like some results at some stage because obviously he's putting a lot of money in. But just coming back to it, um, what you were just saying there about these Chinese um, person like Zia coming in and wanting results like tomorrow... The thing that I'm going to say this is that it's interesting because you had Cardiff at that scenario, then they went up and they said, oh, we got a result, and then all of a sudden they went up, and then all of a sudden their owner turns their shirts from blue to red and all sorts of nonsense gone on. It's killed their side in a major way, uh, you know, to the stage that they've got sort of the second or third lowest away support, which hopefully we'll talk about a little bit later, because it's just killed their support off. It's killed the vibe, everything like that at Cardiff. Cardiff, love them or hate them, there was a vibe about that team, which is not there anymore. It was like, it was like a Millwall vibe, wasn't there? Yeah. It, was, it was intimidating. Yeah. The last two visits to, to Cardiff, one we, you know, we, we, lost, we lost 3-2 last year, and we won the year before. And it was it was just dead, wasn't it? It, it, it's was, killer. it wasn't dead. It was like going to a kindergarten. It was it was it was, it was really it was horrible. And anyone who sits down there goes, "Oh, we want our stadium. We want everything to be like Cardiff." There's a lot of lessons to be learned about Cardiff. But what I'm just coming back to saying there is that you, you said careful what you ask for, but also there's a situation where. At the end of the day, it's not necessarily about somebody investing in your team, right? Because somebody can invest in your team, and your team may or may not do the business. But the fact is that it's t- there's, a, there's a scenario about you killing the soul, killing off a lot of other things, which basically is very. It, it takes if it takes you sixty or eight years to build up, and somebody can kill that off in two or three years, it's going to be very hard for you to get that back, Matt. Um, I might, I might draw. I don't want to bring the England thing into it, but I might draw an analogy that and I mean this English football in general, is that the easiest thing to do is fix it from the top. The hardest thing to do is fix it from the bottom. And, and I think that what, you know, if you look at Wagner at Huddersfield, he's come into place and he, w- and he has started fixing from the bottom. So he's brought in a whole new team. Um, they play, they can all play the way he wants to play. Um, he can't do that if he goes to Villa. And this is what the clubs like Villa just do not understand, is that, well, it would appear they don't understand, um, I think it's the same problem at Derby, in that you know they go out and, they, and they, there's no sort of formula in place. There's no, there's no structure plan. No plan. from the bottom. There's no plan, and 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 people have criticised Brentford because you know who signs the players, da da da, etc. But for me, there's a plan, and and what and and the plan is is that you have a you put the plan in place, and it may be a three-year plan 
or a five-year plan or whatever. And, and everyone people, buys, the and, and the people. And it's not just the manager. And what the other clubs try and do is they bring a manager in, expect him to have the plan, and it to feed back downwards through the club. Whereas what it should be is, is you build it from the bottom, and the manager, and, and the manager or the head coach fits into the plan. And, and that's what we, that's what we're doing really well. And that's what Aston Villa clearly haven't got their heads around. Um, and and I suspect Cardiff haven't either. I, I, I kind of. I think Trollope was an interesting, you know, I, 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 when I've seen him interviewed, he seems like he's quite an intelligent guy. And, and, a bit of a th- and theologist, think, isn't he? Yeah, to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think maybe they, would, they, they were trying to feed off of that, but now they've gone, you know, now they've gone for Warnock. Um, obvious. Which is the obvious solution. And, and the obvious solution for, for Aston Villa is Steve Bruce. Both of those may get them from some short-term success, but... They're not, you know, but then they just go back to the same problem as before. Villa have already got the blueprint for resurrection. You know, if you, they, you know, I know this because I'm producing a book about them for the 1970s. What's the book called? The, the Big Aston Villa book of the 70s. And in in the early 70s, as they as they entered the 70s, they found themselves in the third tier of English football. Um, Vic Crow took over as manager, and he started that resurrection. He took over from Ron Atkinson, and they rebuilt. So they rebuilt from the 70s all the way through to 74, 75. Then Ron Saunders took over and he took them on another level when Andy Gray um, and, 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 um, and, and um, Gordon Cowans took over, uh, got into the team. And then they were challenging for the top flight title and in, 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 in European competitions. So Villa know how to rebuild, but you you knew you, you but you give you give a manager a chance to rebuild from rebuild the foundations of the club, get new blood coming through, start then cherry picking the best of other clubs, and then let someone take it onto the next level. Or, 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 or you accept that isn't the manager's job because actually the you know and, and this is where football start you know football is changing and, other, and clubs are seeing it in a different way. Is that you decide? Is that is that you, you decide how you want the club to operate, and then and then the, you know the manager, the head coach, is the sort of the cherry on the top of of, of, of the icing, so to speak, or, or however you want to say it. But and it, it's it's just this, you know, if you want Di Matteo to come in and change everything, and then you give him what twelve games or whatever, um, and then what are you going to do next? And it's interesting, I mean, and, and Matt put a little tweet out there as well, which was a little dig, but it was a little information note he put out to the Villa fans out there. They're going, yeah, we want Dean Smith. Bring on Dean Smith. Obviously, Dave from Peterborough said that, you know, Dean Smith's going to be coming there because they've got loads of money and they could pull in anywhere else they want. And, uh, and then Matt just pointed out the fact that, uh, well, the problem with Villa is that... Um, because they said that his his record was really great, and they said, well, you know, if he had the if he was at Villa with the record when he started at Brentford, which was what one two, what was it one lost, lost eleven lost or 12, 12, drawn two, you know, yeah. yeah, within the first sort of games. I mean, obviously he would have been sacked, right? But now we've got through that because you identify the man, you stick with the man, you think the man's all right because this is what you do at any decent business. First of all, you identify them and you do, you do, unless you've made an absolutely horrendous mistake, right? You sit down and say, this is the right person for him and I'm going to work with them to bring them through. And that's kind of what's, that's kind of like what Brentford seem to or have done with Dean Smith, which teams like Villa and these other teams who are so short-sighted, we know for 100% they would not do. You can't, you can't, you, you know, 
you can't sack a player off, um, sack a manager after a half a dozen, a dozen games. Although there are, there were. Some we, I mean, we did. That wanted to get rid of Dean Smith. Well, we yeah, but we 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 sat Dykehausen after eight, we sat Dykehausen after eight games. To be fair, so some people so some people turn yeah, around I and say some, sometimes they deserve sacking. I mean, we, not, we put we put our hands up and said we put our hands up and said we got it completely wrong in that case, and we did because obviously when he came on board, there was a number of things well, that just weren't right. I just I just think really if you if you're trying to see any improvement you need to give anyone six months eight months in a job nine months in football really ideally a whole season sometimes that's not possible and sometimes it's clear that something's not working and you have to make a decision but I just don't I just don't think you can just go just just by willy-nilly. On, on willy-nilly and fancy and willy-nilly didn't play for us last season if he did willy-nilly right let, let's just nail a few misconceptions Back in February, March last year, I said I was not convinced by Dean Smith. Oh, I did not call for his sacking. I said I was not convinced. Do you want me to pull I the... Do you want me to, I can go back on tape. I can go through all the tapes. We've got it all on... Yeah, we got it all on tape. Wait. I am perfectly happy were you to go back through the tapes. You'll find this... I don't, need your, I don't need your admission. Your, your permission I, for it. I was not convinced. In that time... Over that time, Dean Smith has now convinced me in doing. And if I were a Villa fan, and if I were the Villa chairman, I would actually probably be moving heaven and earth to get hold of Dean Smith. But they won't. But they won't do it because Dean Smith is not a high enough profile name for them. And Villa have this arrogant attitude that they are a bigger club who demand a big name. And Steve Bruce, for some reason, is regarded as a bigger, big enough name for them to consider. Suits us. Which, absolutely, yeah. I don't. Well, I I now do not want Dean Smith to leave because I think Dean Smith, in my eyes, has proven to be is proven to be a very good head coach, stroke manager, and I'll take him on. And and if were I to be the Aston Villa chairman and own them, I as I said would be moving heaven and earth to get them. But let's nail the line. I never actually called for Dean Smith to be sacked. Um, I'll be going through the tapes this week, actually. I've got a bit of a sort of a light week. Or half-term week, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. I, I, I'd probably disagree with you on both points, because I would say that... <laughs> because because I, if I was Aston Villa, I'd be trying to understand what, what Dean Smith had changed at Brentford and achieved. And I don't think Dean Smith has changed much at Brentford. I think he's come in and been a reasonable head coach, um, and, um, and he's got the team ticking and he's got them playing. But, 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 he ha- but you know, he's made some tweaks here and there, but... I, you know, ha, how many players are responsible that, for that have come in? I, d- I don't know, but I, I, I would say that that wasn't wholly Dean Smith's team and wholly Dean Smith's squad. I'd say he's, you know, be made part, a few changes be and been part of the overall. So actually, if I was Villa, I would be, I would be saying I'm not sure that that is a good idea. Um, also. If Dean Smith did leave Brentford, I wouldn't go into meltdown or panic mode. And I'm not disrespecting Dean Smith, but I, gen- I, I genuinely think that, that and, I, and I've already said it tonight, that the coach is kind of the icing, sorry, not the icing, the cherry at the top. Um, and, and if Dean Smith does go, we, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy, having made, a, having made one big mistake, um, we know what we're looking for, and we'll find it. And this is, the, uh, this is the whole, this is basically, and again, explained to us very many times by uh, Matt Benham when he changed the structure and the thing is we don't want to go into the whole Warburton scenario and everything like that but basically what he was saying no but the victor is that when he was saying is that 
He wanted to have, in effect, a head coach that is interchangeable, as opposed to somebody who basically as, as, was somebody who, you know, if you left the club, the club would completely and utterly disintegrate. You know? As it appears, Southampton are managing to do on a regular basis. Um, and I kind of see Southampton as being the model for this, and, and it's a good model. We, we skated over uh, Cardiff's predicament as well. The only thing I would say is that well, I, I predict Aston Villa will go down this year. Warnock will keep Cardiff up. I, I, have, to, I have to sort of uh, make a declaration of interest here and say that I know Neil Warnock vaguely and I've met him a couple of times. And actually, as a person, he's a really nice person. As a football manager, he knows how to keep football teams and he is a good championship manager. So as a declaration of interest, so you mean you've been gambling on football matches like, no. like Joey Barton? No, 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 no. Oh, you have. You've been gambling so that you're going to be suspended now? Uh, if I'd be gambling on football matches, I'd be standing here in, in ash cloth because I'd, my, my predictions are useless and were I to throw money at betting on football, I'd be uh, in the poorhouse by now. What a negative appointment that is by Cardiff City. After uh, ten games into the season, twelve games into the season, saviour, saviour. Yeah, I know, but I mean, they can't. I know, I know they've been like hemorrhaging defeats, but really, Warnock at Cardiff, no, no, just, no, no. just to survive, just to survive. Next mate, next, next defending him now because he's his mate. Yeah, isn't uh, next mate, next mate. He's a liberal, liberal but, Warnock. No, but, but you know, <laughs> seriously, I mean, Cardiff, Cardiff City were one of the most progressive teams in this division not so long ago. And, you know, they are a shell, an absolute shell of a club. And In every way. And, Bill, you, you hit on it that a foreign owner tries to change your identity, to change it from blue to red. You've, you've, lost, you've lost a lot of your traditional support. You've alienated them. Now, now there's, no, there's no clear path. There's no future. That, that club needs to be in homegrown ownership, local ownership, the community need to take control of that club again. Or just or, 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 or people that actually understand and know the club and even if they work together with him. But the problem is that people like that, they think, I know it all, I've got loads of money. I'll just, it needs you know. to refine its identity. It needs to become Cardiff City again. At the moment, it, it's nothing. And, and just, just, just because... Those people have been going to... Well, they've been going to Ninian Park. They haven't been going to this place. They, they're disenfranchised. They, they, they've lost all, all of their identity. You know, what's the re, who are they supporting anymore? Lesson to be learned. Lesson to be learned. Football clubs everywhere. You know, our club, every club, to lesson to be learned. I keep on saying that, drumming it at home. Cardiff, Cardiff are now the second team in Wales. I mean, Swansea City are way and above... Beyond Cardiff, and I think we ought to hashtag Cardiff City supporters and see what their reaction is when I when I say that as well. But I mean, that, what Warnock will do is Warnock will stabilise Cardiff City. He'll keep him in the Championship, and then actually present the chairman with a few home truths because that's what he did also at Crystal at Crystal Pass at QPR. People. QPR. People need to look at well Rotherham, but people need to look at the history of Warnock and QPR and the discussions that he had with Tony Fernandez. And I think actually one of the big mistakes that Tony Fernandez made at QPR was getting rid of Warnock. So listen, anyway, look, we're going to round this up now because we want to talk about a few other things. But what I'm going to say is that next week, the fingers crossed, because we've got all these plans, and next week we've got the Newcastle podcast, the pre Newcastle podcast, all sorts of stuff going on. We've actually got a drinking place in Newcastle as well. We've got a little bar. I've talked to a couple of Newcastle mates and they said, listen, mate, give you top floor. 
sorted. A couple of minutes from the ground, so that's all good. But listen, Newcastle podcast next week, so we're going to be talking to Newcastle people, all sorts of characters. And what we also think we're going to do on this very same subject... These teams who get all this money, this parachute money, this Premier League money, they seem to just flutter it away. So we thought this season we're going to talk to a Norwich fan, we're going to talk to a Newcastle fan, we'll talk to a Villa fan, and we're going to ask them about their little drop to the, the, the Championship, how it's gone for them, how it's gone in a positive way, a negative way, what they could have done worse, what they could have done better. So that'll be a little section we'll have, which will be interesting as we go into the Newcastle game next week. However, we've got a few other things to talk about, but listen, before we do that... Let's just have a little guitar twang. So, Atmosphere. We talked about Atmosphere a couple of weeks ago. Atmosphere songs. The thing that really frustrates us, sometimes, is originality. Back in the day, characters used to sit in the pub and they used to write brilliant songs. Brilliant songs to go on the terraces. And I was listening the other day as well, and I was listening to some Crystal Palace characters, and they talk about the songs that they had, and they had some brilliant original songs back in the day. Nowadays, what's happened is that everyone seems to rehash everybody else's songs, and they're really happy with it. So we can sing Wheel Griggs song, and then we sing it, and everyone else sings it, and they're all really happy with it. Whereas back in the day, it was all about you having your own song and the originality. Now, we're not trying to be old fogies or nothing like that, but we're just thinking that if the atmosphere at Brentford is kind of like needs to be worked on which we will talk about in a couple of weeks time maybe we need to work on the originality and people need to sit down there and actually have a bit of pride and ownership in some of the songs they've had there have been some very very good songs that some of the young kids have come out with and they've had a few little bits and pieces they've come out with but maybe not enough so we thought let's just hark back back in the days and let's just think about some songs from Brentford which we thought were absolutely wicked so um, we need to go back to the uh, we need to go back to the early days. Yes, and so we need to so back in back in seventy seven when I when I first entered Griffin Park, they were Hey Jude was still going strong. So every game, every game, la la la, la Brentford. That, that's that's been going since those days. So you know, there's a lot of a lot of um, clubs that have laid claim to that song post Brentford. When did that? I mean, again, just because a lot of people don't remember when did that happen? When did that song played in particular? When was well, it? I mean, it was a, obviously it's a Hey Jude's a Beatles song. So no, no, it, when was it played at the match? It, it was going on in the mid mid to late seventies. No, no, but in the, it was at the beginning. If I remember right, it was at the beginning of the well, game, wasn't actually, it? Before the game actually, started. No, but yeah, it was. The, the 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 it was played when the teams ran out. That's right. But also before that, they actually played. Hey ho! It was like hi ho, hi ho. It's off to work we go. It was like Seven Dwarfs. They used to play that when Brentford came out as well, which was like bizarre in the extreme. Yeah. But that, but that, you know, they that that was that was there as well. I'm glad we don't sing that anymore, mate. No, no. no. So, but Hey Jude was there, and that's the reason why it kind of went to another level because all the Beast fans knew that that was a song that they played before every game as well. I mean, what other what other songs were there that you know that you can remember? See, well. You got to go in eras. See, I, I would take my era as a growing up young man to be l- late, eight, very late eighties, early nineties to mid nineties was when I was probably at my at my singing best. Singing best, yeah, Pro- probably at singing best, and that was when we hated Birmingham City. Um, <laughs> 
there, there was a, there was a thing going on. It was it was a pretty it big thing. So, so so we you know I'm I'm speaking to the converted here, but we pipped them to the um, third division title and went up to our our level now, the championship in 1992. Um, and then we went down that next season where they stayed up on goal difference, and then there was. Two ins and throw-ins. They, they they came down. They came down, and then they beat. It was two 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 went up. We were sorry. One went up that season. They finished top. We finished second. We didn't go up. We failed in the playoffs. They beat us to um, Wembley in the LDV Trophy. So there, there was every every season there was a there was a Birmingham City um, AG game, and um, Barry Fry was their manager. The um, the the Gold Sullivan ownership and Karen Brady was the, um, the 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 chief executive, and there were some brilliant songs. There was you know, there's a circus in a town, there's a circus in the town. Barry Fry is a clown. Karen Brady is a something something. Rejoice, the blues are staying down, and we we. There was there was there was serious grief. We uh, Birmingham City, Birmingham City, owned by a pervert, run by a something or other. Birmingham City. You can't use the word slag these days. I don't I don't understand why. Um, but you know, but in, 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 to be fair, in, in the you know, in no, the it, it would have been. It's not right. No, it's it, not, it, it wasn't been right. But, right. but it's not, no, yeah. it wasn't right. Of course, it's not right. But that's that. It, it was sung, and I, I didn't make the song up. But it, it was sung. Um, and you know, but you know, irrationally go, that falls into irrational hatreds as well. Birmingham City probably aren't, aren't even aware that we're on that we're on their radar still. But um, they're, they're, but then that, that led into the next the next wave of Brentford teams. Martin Rowlands, who's a bit of a dirty word amongst Brentford fans, um, who who may be appearing on this podcast very soon. <laughs> we we shall see. Negotiations are underway. Yeah, we want like to got, stoke it up, don't we? Yeah, we've got the United Nations involved at the moment. <laughs> um, we should, yeah, yeah. But Martin Rowlands, but he was, he's part of one of the best ever Brentford songs, which was Rowlands, Rowlands, Rowlands. We've got Martin Rowlands. He's got Tony Folan out wide. He passes through the middle and he knows how to dribble. Because he wears his Brentford badge with pride. Rollers. Well, um, unfortunately, he went on to wear his Rangers badge and with with more kissing. And to be fair as well, with respect to the Dutchman, because the Dutchman was the man who started that one off. He sat in the pub and he sat down and he said... He was like, Rollins, 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 Rollins. And then there's a BBC Radio 5 documentary who were following us around at the time. And they've actually got the documentary where they've actually showed the progress of the song going from that, Rollins, 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 to on actually to, turning into to, a... All the way through to Eurovision Song Contest. That's right, yes, indeed. And then the Danny Boxall song. Brilliant. Danny Boxall. Danny Boxall, he's the best fullback in history. From some town in Ireland, he took Brentford out Division Three, which was the old, um, uh, what was the old um, cartoon? Flintstones. Flintstones. Yeah. Flintstones. So you know, we've been we've been uh, besides it's been on the cutting edge of uh, non <laughs> n- 
of absolute nonsense for absolutely. 25 years. Proof. One, one that I like as well from that era as well is obviously we had um, Brian Stephen who played for us, and you know, you knew, you know, as you know, we had to sort of kind of get a little bit of kind of reggae into the vibes as it's well. Be iron like a lion. It's Brian. It's, it's Brian. <laughs> iron lion Brian. <laughs> So that was things like that as well. Just going back a little bit as well, do you remember when we used to go into the stadium, everyone used to sing, you'd go inside there and there were songs that used to be sung. Um, the 80s, remember, Oh, you're Brentford, Brentford. Oh, oh, it was a Pompey chance, but again, you know, I know Pompey, but we used to sing it there, but it was, you know, you 10, 12, 15,000 people yeah, yeah. in the stadium, everyone used to sing that. That was kind of really wicked as well. Um, what used to make me laugh as well, because I mean, we talk about them songs, but I was looking back at these old, the old school songs, and um, it was really funny because people talk about like the, the youth coming up there with their flares and their flames and a bit of smoke and, you know, a little bit of swear words here and there. Oh, no one, if you look back as to like some of the songs back in the days, they're really bad, like, you know, some of them, it's like they're properly like violent and nasty. Do you remember the song? Um, you're only a poor little Fulham, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. You're only a poor little Fulham. Your face is all battered and torn. You make me feel sick. You're hitting with a brick, and now you don't sing anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, I, I listened. I looked at that. I thought, oh my god! It's not. It's not been not as bad as being shot by a Northampton gun. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's just like it's like. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, that, it's, it's like listening to your granddad on Christmas Day. This is wonderful, actually. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I, my granddads have died for years, but so, so you've taken me back. Thank you, guys. But, but good point about Down in the Town of Northampton, because that's actually the one song that is still sung on the Ealing Road today. But it's sung by people who, last time we played Northampton was in 2007. Most of the people who sing it weren't even born in 2007. So I can't quite understand where it comes from. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, talking about again, um, I mean, again, the songs that you used to sing back in the days. And they, remember those back ones? In the good old no, days. But, but again, but I'm not saying that because people, it's like you say they're individual as well. And again, they all had a little bit of edge to it. Remember, in your Fulham slums, you, you look in the gutter for something to eat. You find a dead rat and you think it's a treat. In your Fulham slums. Normally slums in Fulham. No, no, that's true. Right, right, but know, back in the day, though. Birmingham. Back in the day, there were. Yeah, when when you two were kids, they were. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course, because Nick's a lot younger than us, isn't he? Yeah. Fuck off, Nick. <laughs> I mean, so. yeah, there's several variations of that one. Um, <laughs> Northern, whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Uh, we, we prefer um, Fulham. Yeah, yeah, and, and clearly, the, I, I kind of like the unique ones that, and, and I, um, one of my one of my favourites. And I, although sometimes I do wonder if I made it up, is that um, there was um, in when um, Blind Date, when um, when Barry Ashby was playing for us, he got mentioned on Blind Date um, by. From this is my this is how I remember the story, and I apologise to any to anybody if I've got any of this wrong. But he got mentioned on Blind Date by a girl out who was on blind date as somebody she may have dated he he i don't think should have been dating her and i think this is reported by a tabloid newspaper but i but i may have made this up um however then the song as as best i remember and again sometimes i do wonder if i made this up was to the blind date tune barry 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 barry, 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 barry ashby 
Barry, which I'm now sure, the, which, which, which if the story was as I remember it, I'm sure he was delighted to hear. That's true, because we, we, we made that, I mean, it didn't take much making up, but, but we made that song up as well, like, you know what I'm saying? So that was part of our little little quartet. We had a bit of a singing thing going on as well. Um, just going back to, sorry, I'm well, going back to the dark old days as well, but I just sort of like, it just made me laugh because I was looking through these, and you know like when you get the old flashbacks from the songs, you know, and you think, oh my God, like, I mean, it's just hilarious how like, you know, I just keep going back to how everyone gets really worried about these kids like throwing a couple of smoke bombs around the corner and like you know and sort of kind of just doing whatever they're doing where there's proper some sort of naughtiness going on back in the day another song you know again you've got to remember like we were like 13, 14, 15 and these guys are older so they sing along remember that we have joy we had joy we, we had fun we had Fulham on the run but the joy didn't last because the bastards run too fast <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was pseudo hoolies, and and, 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 and I always and I think going, going back to um, obviously talking about um, talking about Barry Ashby, you can't you can't not mention um, uh, Jamie Bates, and Jamie Bates had two great songs, and it was at number one was Jamie Bates, and number two it went so so it was like Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine all the way through to We All Live in a Batesy Wonderland. And then the other one was talk about Pelé, talk about Cruyff, talk about Beckham Bauer, but talk about Batesy, that's a different matter. He's best by far, he's Batesy, Batesy, Jamie, Jamie Batesy, he's Jamie Batesy. And uh, to be honest, I think that is actually probably the most genius Brentford songs as well, because again, if you know, that was actually a commercial, it was, um, it was, um, well, it wasn't Nor, Findus or Panko, something like that. It was a big commercial at the time. Tasty, tasty, yeah, t- very tasty, 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 very, very tasty. It's very... So, yeah, so again, the idea of taking a commercial and flipping it into a football song... And using the word Batesy and Beckenbauer. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. He played, without, any, without any reference to his wife as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, and he played nothing like Beckenbauer whatsoever, um, which is all good. Or Pele. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was close. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we got, we got, and we got, um, we got a few other characters who actually started to, um, to, to send some, 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 some thoughts there as well because we put this out to people. Dan Jackson started saying, "You only got one song. You've only got one song," which is which was not a great song actually as well. Um, Brentford Bob, he loves the Batesy song as well. He talked about the Aspinall. Remember the Aspinall as well. Which is the the Vindaloo song. Which is which is weird. Because um, as people like may or may not know, I'm in the music industry, and, um, and Vindaloo is actually one of my records. But we will move on from that as well. If you look very carefully in the Vindaloo video, I'm actually in the Vindaloo video as well. Um, David Howes talked about the fact that he said one of the worst songs he ever heard is something like when we play Chelsea, they'll say you'll die if you sting someone. Like, you know what I'm saying? What was that all about? Absolutely no idea. Nonsense, actually. Um, Again, back in the days, one very, very cult player, and it was a brilliant song, massive song on the terraces. Remember the old. Booker. Well, it's not not being funny, but there was an evolution of that song. So it started off being the sand dance to Bug Booker. Then it was. Then it was. No, then it was a few. So how does the sound do, 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 do. No, how does the sound dance go? Like the first one we just did. And then it turned into the funeral march. Do, 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 do
Booker. Booker. So, so it, it started off being a positive one, then it ended up being like death. Yeah, <laughs> and that's Bob Booker, who was uh, who's a cult player, is probably the best way to describe him did, for did, Brentford. Did, did not, did not, did ooh, oh, Bob Booker not find? Did, did that not find its way in there somewhere, or is no, that another no, one no. I'm just making up? I, I still like. Joe Joe have a go because I, I think Francis Joseph that was that was that was a big song. I started that actually yeah. I, I mean I nicked it from Wimbledon but I, did, I started that one so you say no, no I did 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway um, Roy Bickerson talked about a track which he thought was absolutely rubbish oh, Roy Bickerson Roy, Roy Bickerson yeah Build a bonfire, build a bonfire, put the Fulham on the top. Queen's Park Rangers in the middle and build the fucking lot. He's really unhappy with that one, actually. It's poignant as it's coming out to bonfire, no? That's true, actually. We play them on bonfire. Actually, it's a very, very poignant, actually. So, Roy, unfortunately, mate, we were going to sing that one all night. And uh, you could just put your hands in your ears for that one. You have your fingers in your ears. Um, one song, actually, <laughs> which I think was quite hilarious. Was in, in, in the days when we used to sing songs where now you listen to them, you think, oh, my God, like, you know, I can't believe we sung that. We talked about, the, you know, the Karen Brady and all these other songs, which, you know, a little bit like you have to take an intake. But I remember my mate um, um, Ralph Brown. We played Brighton. And Ralph Brown, the actor who's the uh, Camberwell carrot in a With an Owl and I as well, very, very good for mate of ours. And the first time we ever played Brighton, he came down. We played them in a football match in the morning um, down at um, Warren Farm so we played them in the football match and then at, and, and then in the afternoon what was quite funny so was Ralph come down we played them he actually came down our, at our end of it and we sat singing the Lee Luscombe song and we sang the Lee Luscombe song which Lee, goes Lee Lee Super Lee UGL no 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 Lee Lee Super Lee UGL why ugly he needs plastic surgery Super Lee Luscombe he wasn't the prettiest bloke in the world but Al Ralph turned around to me and goes oh my god I can't believe you sing that about your own player <laughs> You know, so, so I mean, we're just going through, but we're just saying a little bit of originality is all good. I mean, I know Matt, you had another song as well that you had uh, in the in the pot. Didn't you? No. Um, I, I probably I may have last when we last spoke about this, but these things I can never remember. I can never remember which ones I kind of made up and which ones I didn't make up. I I, I mean, not songs, but I remember. <laughs> this is stupid, but Lee Lee Harvey. My mate just used to shout, shoot, every time Lee Harvey got the ball, even though we weren't in Dallas or on a, on, or on a grassy knoll. So that, you know... I... We, we, need, we probably need to finish this off by you talking about your Sinsel Bank song. <laughs> actually, before I do the Sinsel Bank song, actually, I'm going to talk about... Um, there's just one other song as well, as I said. Remember, we, um, we had a player called Alan Whitehead who played for us as well. Central defender Alan Whitehead, and I just thought I'm going to make up this song, Alan Whitehead. And it's possibly one of the worst Brentford songs ever, but I thought it was really brilliant. But I still got everyone to sing it as well. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease. His name, Alan Whitehead, he plays for the breeze. The greatest defender in London is he, and he's Alan Whitehead. <laughs> to be fair, you still get 3,000 people in the Royal Oak singing that. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, but... And, but- and when but, you but, go... But, that's, but that, that one was better, though. Um, Brentford are the greatest team and no one can deny. When Fulham tried to take the oak, they know they're going to die. We took the Reading, took the Oxford Tool, and we all too. And when we go to Sinsel Bank, we'll sing this song to you. 
Oh, you lads. This you is, should well, see this coming. This is how far we've come. <laughs> we ain't going to go to Sinsel Bank no more, this, my friends. But this is the thing, actually. We want to go back to Sinsel Bank because we haven't been there for such a long time. And uh, it's so rubbish down there, you just need to go. But anyway, listen to the songs. It's all Forget about the, 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 the content and all that kind of stuff. Because there's a bit of a heyday little thing. And people were 12, 13, 14, 15 singing these songs. Didn't know what they're talking about. It's more the fact it's about originality and having a bit of a laugh. And just getting behind there and having a bit of ownership in the songs that you say. But anyway... We might talk about atmosphere in a couple of weeks' time. Hold on a second. Hold on a minute. I might I might actually do a book on Brentford songs. Oh, that might be a good idea. In context and, and people that have sung them and stuff and shit. Might be interesting. So in the town of Northampton, so you'll have to put that all into context. There, there is a brilliant article on beside. I'll post it again in the next week or so. Jim Levac wrote... He, he kind of dismantled the actual myth behind the Northampton song and it's proper cry cry funny so I'll put that up again it's just um, you know I, I, I agree I think this this whole kind of um, fan culture and how song, songs become popular how they how they're born how they're written it's brilliant Some, you know but we need to be more creative I agree atmosphere atmosphere song songs originality It'd be great if we get that back. Listen, not having a go, it's cool. Listen, Brentford is cool. But listen, there's just ways that we can always make it better. And listen, people sitting down there and writing songs, just like, you know, they're like Simon and Garfunkel or something like that. I never heard of them, you know, back in the day. Or maybe Kanye West, because he never annoys anybody. Or anybody like that. Just sit down there, pen some songs, and let's be original. Because listen, we need to be different. We are different. We are Brentford. And let's just get some bits and pieces out there to make ourselves different, boys and girls and people. But... This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're coming from the old pack horse in Chiswick. Wicked, wicked pub. We've come here. We've got the funk. Nick's funking. He's up and down. He's just funking away. Like, you know, so we've had drum and bass. We've had funk. We've had all sorts. They've got DJs. I've looked on the board around the corner. Funk, they've got DJs. funked out of his skull. He is. He is absolutely all over the place, isn't he? Like, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have to carry him home later. Like, we've got boards around the corner. They've got DJs playing here at the weekend as well. So uh, they've obviously got all sorts of malarkey happening in there. There's obviously people being thrown out on their ears and everything like that, which is what you need, you know, when you're a young folk and you're in, in the sort of relative suburbs. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but listen, Listen, the old pack horse is good. They've got a little wicked Thai restaurant. We had a bit of tucker there earlier as well. Absolutely brilliant. To be quite honest, it absolutely blew my head off. Like, you know, I said, look, I'm going to have a nice, nice hot chilli Thai. And Jesus Christ, the chilies were proper hardcore, weren't they? Yeah, you had the cream of some young guy. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on for that. You know, you can tell the ladies, obviously he had a few too many uh, uh, London Prize tonight, you know, for him to handle. So he needs to go home and have a little rest. But anyway, besides Pride of West London podcast, check us out on iTunes, check us out on Audio Boom, check us out on TuneIn, which we're very, very proud of, and also um, check us out on the videos, Besotted 1992. But you've got a chilled out weekend, whether or not you're going to go to your non league games, whether or not you're going to, that's going down to Eastley. Eastley. Yeah. yeah, friends and family, friends see Daggers play. Daggers play. You know, whether or not you're going to go and see England play, which I may or may not do. They're playing Malta, which should they win about 45 nil with their new manager who'll probably be in for one or two games and setting another record. Hampton are home. Hampton are home as well. Going to Hampton. Non league game at Orient. 
So apparently you're in the playing non-game games as well. And uh, I may or may not go down to Dulwich Hamlet to go down with the TUC characters waving banners all over the place because it's a TUC day or it's a, it's a Union's day and at Dulwich Hamlet as well. You know, there's going to be sort of kind of lefties fighting ultra-lefties down there as well, which is, which is quite interesting. But maybe you just might want to just stay at home and chill and just say, tell you something, I'm going to click my brownie points to go up to Newcastle the following week, which is going to be absolutely potty. Two and a half thousand plus bees going up there, mad, mad for it. But as we say, as the tables are whirling, and everyone's going to be potty for it because we're coming in the last weekend. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.